Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Let's just keep it real straight shot with no chaser. I'm gonna get a little bit rough. I'm here for it. Those who really believe in the American process, all of us. Straight shot, no chaser. With your girl Tesla Figaro on the Black Effect Podcast Network. What's happening, everybody? This is your girl Tesla Figaro, straight shot, no chaser. Here another week to sit down and chop it up with Mr. James Worthy himself. Worthy. What a nice name. What a nice name to have that says a lot about your name. I'm going to get into that and, and talk about um, how that name itself, carrying that name, uh, means something to you as far as self-worth, self-value, and so forth. But he is a Grammy-nominated musician, songwriter, and recording artist. Uh, we had an opportunity to connect on social media, and I was very um, enlightened, I guess would be the word, to see you be such a young, to start in the game so young, and to work with so many different Icons like Houdini and I don't even know if people even knew about uh, Men in Large, one of my favorite groups from back in the day. But looking at you work with such uh, a variety of talent across the board, not just in music, but in television as well with BET, VH1, a number of different things uh, that you've done. Huge platform that you have on social media. So thank you so much for joining me today. I want to get into James. Tell me a little bit about your career, you know, how you started. Uh, how you got into the game and how you've been able to maintain, not just with COVID, because for a lot of the hustlers, to me, COVID was like it's always been grind, hustle, grind, hustle, grind. It's always a COVID to me. It's always a shoe that's going to drop. It's always a rug that's being pulled out uh, from under from under my feet. But for a lot of folks in the entertainment business, you know, things were literally halted. So it stopped the grind, literally. People couldn't go on movie sets. People couldn't record. People couldn't go on tour. And a lot of folks kind of got, you know, held back a little, kind of got, uh, I guess, shocked for the first time ever. So walk us through, Mr. Worthy, and I love that name. Walk us through, you know, a little bit about yourself to kind of inform the listeners who you are. And then let's talk about, you know, how you've been able to maintain yourself 
as an entrepreneur and how you, you know, kind of found your self-worth in that, if you will. I want to, I'm going to use your name. I'm going to play off your name a lot during this interview. So just be prepared because I, I like the name and I love metaphors and analogies. But um, tell the, the listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, first off, thank you for having me on your platform. I, I really appreciate the love and support. As you said, I'm James Worthy. I'm from Queens, New York. I've lived so many different places. So, I, you know, sometimes it's hard for me to even say what I rep nowadays because I've been all around the world from age. But um, I'm from New York. And, uh, you know, just me growing up there, um, you know, early on, I was just always a part of music. It was always around me. I feel like it was always in me because it was just when I was born, I was just around music in, in different genres and different styles as well. So I think that's why music has always been a huge influence in my life. And um, even past that, I've always been around musicians and, and artists and just the arts period. So I think uh, those things were just kind of like what I always say, the inevitable of me just being in the entertainment industry, let alone the music industry. So, you know, that was really the first foundation and me just being a music lover, I always wanted to learn about how to make music and what it took and what was the the ins and outs of actually crafting a song. So I remember I used to always go to record stores every weekend and buy a new album that I never heard before and actually read the credits on the back and inside of the, the sleeves so I can actually learn about the musicians and the songwriters and, you know, who did what and, and you know, just really learn about it. And then once... I decided that I actually wanted to start making it. The sky was the limit after that. And how how old were you at that time? Uh, well, when I started really, really songwriting first, because before production, I would songwrite. No, like going back to um, when you would look at the back of it. Because I would go look at the back. I, I never looked at who wrote it and who did. I was focused mm -hmm. on the performance of it all. So I'm just curious, how old were you when your mind was getting that technical into what makes it become mm -hmm. an album? You, you know what I mean? I probably say about around ten. Okay, about that's 10, interesting. 10, ten or eleven, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. When I yeah, when I was that age, I knew who I wanted to be and what type of performer, you know, that I would want to emulate. But I didn't take the time to see how does this all put put together. So I just found that interesting. It says a lot about how your mind is is made up. Um, it's what I do in politics now. I don't want people to know. I did a post yesterday where I was saying it's important to know how we got here. And why we stay yes. here. It's not enough to just, and the same thing in music, it's not enough just to hear the song or to enjoy the song. How do you know who did what? Um, and one thing I Absolutely. love about music is pulling apart different samples and so many different samples and different things that you hear that you had no idea, you know, have been used before and how it all comes together. So I was just curious when your mind first started thinking that way. So you started with that really young then you went on yeah. in your career and then you were getting ready to, to proceed. I just wanted to put a pin in that part. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, you know, songwriting was like the first step. So, you know, what even me being super young, like I was always good with words and just putting words together. And, and once I started learning about different musicians and songwriters and actually how to, you know, arrange a song from top to bottom, from, you know, uh, chord progressions to an actual verse to a pre pre-hook to a chorus and et cetera. Um, that's when I started getting better at actually writing. So once I did that, that's when production came because then I felt like, okay, now I need music behind these words to put the whole puzzle together. And then that's how, um, you know, I just started climbing up that ladder. That's another thing I'll point out, like most, well, I won't say most people, but 
I can rap, I can freestyle, but I don't know how to put a song together. And even the one song that I did, an R&B song, it still wasn't technically, you know, it was just in the studio playing, you know, did a chorus and did whatever. But all of the things that you just mentioned, were you self-taught or did you learn that in the schools or how did you? No, um, initially I was self-taught. So so everything I just kind of learned, you know, by trial and error. And really before all of that, um, you know, at the times when I was going to these uh, different record stores and just buying albums, I remember before, before I even got to that point, I remember uh, my dad, he gave me uh, the first album that I technically ever bought, which was um, A Tribe Called Quest, Midnight Marauders. And that was probably like, still to this day, I really don't know why I connected so much with that album, but I did. And that's what made me a huge Tribe Called Quest fan and a huge Q-Tip fan, you know, as a producer. And, you know, that was like, the bar for me to start really, really like, you know, learning about just production and writing and et cetera. So that was like the first album that I really, really took everything from. All right, so there we were cruising through the new open air zoo when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful DC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbroke, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. And we had a chance to talk previously before this, and you talked about, you know, being an entrepreneur. What does it mean to be, I think most people may think, you know, producers come with record labels and they'll assign a producer on and you get whatever, but you're saying you're an entrepreneur. Does that mean that you have to aggressively find your, you know, your clients and uh, your relationships to get into the studio with folks? Like to explain what that is as if someone has literally no clue on when you say I'm an entrepreneur, like, what does that mean? How, how are you an entrepreneur self-employed or running your own business? 
um, in the producing space? Uh, well, in the production space, uh, just speaking for me personally, um, I've always been uh, hands on with everything since the beginning, you know, even from being in indie, so to speak, to, you know, working with mainstream acts. Um, I've always been that that self-employed person to where I never went through a major label to get to someone, never went through a manager, never went through an agent or anything like that. Everything was just really relationship based or just being at the right place at the right time or just creating some type of footstep to get to the next place. And it's always been like that. It's, it's like that even now, uh, which I prefer it that way because, you know, sometimes when you start putting people in the middle and, and this and that, things get lost in translation. And sometimes it could work or it may not work, but I never wanted to take those chances. And, and I've always wanted to deal with the artist directly. Uh, versus. But how do you do that? You before we talked, you talked about giving some gems on how people survive during COVID and how they grind and hustle. So you want to share some gems? like how I hear what you're saying, like, oh, I want to deal with the artist directly. But most people can't deal with the artist directly. How did you get from starting in the game to dealing with some of the most, you know, iconic artists through various generations? You know, when I told you, I was like, oh, you work with some some heavy hitters. How did you do that? Like, how did you grind? You want to give the people the gems or you want to hold it back or you nah, know, nah, like, tell them, <laughs> like give the gems or how you were able to do that and did those relations. How did they, how did you show your value, your worth to these folks? How did you get in and how did you stay in, you know, especially during COVID when there were ways that you had to figure out to grind? Were you not doing music during COVID? What were you doing during that time? So I'll start from the beginning. So, uh, fresh in the game, um, it was always hard to get to the major artists because, again, you had to go through a label or some type of representation to even get to the artist, right? So with me, me knowing that, um, just by soaking up game from all the people that I've always been around, um, I said, well, let me just find an artist that I believe in and they understand uh, my sound. Because, again, even when I was trying to work with other mainstream acts in the beginning, they didn't understand my sound. Or they didn't understand, you know, if I told them, hey, this track is, I think would be hot for you. Let's, let's do something different, blah, blah, blah. They didn't really understand that. And the label didn't understand that. So what I did was I took the initiative of finding an artist that did understand where I brought to the table and we created something uh, fresh and something new that, you know, eventually if that sound would work or took off, then, you know, the industry is all about, you know, what's in at the time. So, of course, they would want to roll with that. So that was the initial thing. The second part about that was uh, publishing. Now, publishing is a whole different ball game. So I remember uh, at the time, this is when Twitter first came out. And I used Twitter as, I guess you would call it a promotional tool, but also a networking tool. So I was big on networking and, and building the relationships. So what I did was I met a, uh, an artist by the name of Youngberg. And, um, at the time he was, uh, he was just early on, uh, Twitter as well. And he was doing a mixtape series called Twitter music and really just reaching out to different artists and, you know, telling them, Hey, you know, I'm such and such. I produce, I songwrite, you know, would love to work with you. And it was really that, um, he gave me an opportunity to be on his mixtape. Uh, I produced a song for him on that, on this specific project. And that was like the catalyst to, climbing up the ladder to work with other artists but even still 
when you're dealing with companies, right, or conglomerates, it's never going to be easy uh, with that because there's always stipulations of, okay, this person is signed to this person. They may not have um, free reign to go work with whoever they want to work with because of the infrastructure that's already been put in front of them in the sense of, okay, they already have these producers that the label assigned to them. They already have this recording studio that they work out of and only the, only these people are accepted to go in there and, and, and X, Y, and Z. So with me, I made sure that I have my own studio. I made sure that I have my own engineers. I made sure that I have my own songwriters that work alongside me. So whatever artist that I feel connects with me and, and I feel like our sound complements them, whether they're a big artists or not, I make sure that they come to me uh, directly and we'll present the product to the major label and then go from there. So what do you, I guess, so what it sounds like is relationships is really what, you know, sustained you, you know, over that time. Yes. And once people know who you are, you know, people do, I always say people yeah. do business with who they know. And so being able to get in that mix that sustained you through COVID, what is the next move that you're trying to, because I know a lot of people are listening and saying, wow, what is he doing on Tesla show? Because even though I will interview folks from time to time in the entertainment space, we normally kind of center our conversations on politics. So what are you looking at to take the game to the next level? Do you see yourself doing more than producing or, you know, more behind the camera, more on the camera? You've done a lot, you know, over your career. What is your objective and, and where are you trying to go now? Uh, well, of course, it's, it's always about, you know, expanding the brand as much as possible. But, uh, you know, my biggest thing moving forward is focusing on ownership as well, because, you know, a lot of creatives and, and also artists, musicians, et cetera, we don't have a lot of ownership in our work and in our artistry. So it's it's an uphill battle. It's always been. But, you know, my biggest thing is just making sure that we own what we do and what we have and also creating that legacy and that that generational wealth to pass it down from what we created, which is why publishing is so important because that is what your ownership is. And if you sign that way or et cetera, that's, that's a whole different Yeah, topic. well, how do you feel about that then? Because I know earlier this week, I believe Tyrese, and I don't want to misquote him, but he had said, you know, he he's going to be owning all his masters here soon. I don't want to misquote him, just paraphrasing, but the conversation was about ownership. And we've seen that a lot now with people going back and asking for ownership or things that they signed away in the very beginning. What are your thoughts on that, on going back? Because from a legal standpoint, once you sign, you sign. But what are your thoughts on people going back and saying, you know what, I didn't really like that deal and I felt I could have gotten a better deal. Do you think that's fair or do you think it's enough information out there now at this point that you really shouldn't be signing bad deals? And if you do, it is what it is. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think there's a, um, a plethora of information that's available uh, for anyone to make the right decisions. Um, I think those that just sign anything just to get whatever, um, it's just at this point, it's just, it's just dumb to do. You know what I mean? Um, it's, it's always good to just have uh, someone in your corner that you can run things by, uh, you know, of course, some type of attorney or some some type of legal representation to really help you read the business language and understand, you know, what you're looking at and what you're reading. You know, that's that's the first part. Of it. But what about the old school artists that are going back now? And because even if they understand, hey, I'm getting you, you're getting an advance and I'm hoping I'm going to record X amount of, you know, record uh, uh, sell X amount of records to get the advance. 
So even people that have the best people in their corner and they believe in their product and they still get caught up in this. Well, I, I think I also think that um, I think that some people, you know, let's just for a point of reference, you know, the older artists and, and even the new artists. I think a lot of people just didn't understand what an advance really or was. Or some people maybe didn't didn't think they shit was going to be selling too. That too. <laughs> it, that too play. It played a huge factor because, but I, yeah. But, but you know, it, uh, you know, a lot of because an advance kind of clearly, advance, it literally. Long. I mean, well, advance. Even yeah. in the word itself, it means advance. Yeah. So, <laughs> so. But, but you know, you you also got the 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 people that think that they don't have to pay that back, or they don't. They don't feel that the labels gave gave them all this money and, and they're they're a huge artist now and blah 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 and that money is just money that was just given. Yeah, to that's them. real strange though in two thousand twenty one. You know, I, I I I would even say it's strange in the nineties or two thousand. If we're talking about and I'm saying that because Attorney Crump is one of my clients that I work with and he's working on a lawsuit and you know, all of that with George Clinton and Sony Music. And that made sense, you know, that was in the 60s and 70s. So that made sense where people didn't know and people were destitute. And, you know, but when you start talking about the 2000s and last year and two years ago, now, I mean, it's been enough information out there to know that if, if you're yeah. motivated by a car or jury or any of those things, not realizing, yeah, you kind of got to pay it back. And we don't know if. Your music is going to be what you say it is, but we're investing in that. In addition to that, as you know, labels don't put the support behind you like they, and that's not even just in music. That's in selling books. That's in podcast space, radio, television. A yeah. lot of your grind is on what you do, which is why you're here, you know, grinding yourself, making yourself available, which you don't see producers really doing, to be honest with you. You usually see where well, you see them now doing it, but that brand has even changed with, with producer. Remember when Puff, first came out and it was all in the videos and why is he all in the videos yeah. but he even showed how producers can be on camera as well and then you see the DJ Khaled's and you know who are changing the whole look of a producer why is a producer even interviewing in the first place there was a time when that wasn't that wasn't it but what what it sounds like James yeah. if you you have learned and that sounds like what you literally said that you have a brand in it you have a brand just yourself and what goes with that brand it's also marketing and promotion and social media and building a brand and all because all of that is what brings you worthy, you know, to be paid X, Y, Z. What do you bring to the table? I'm trying to sum up what it sounds like, you know, what you've been able to learn, what listeners can get from even if you are a producer, a writer behind the scenes. What do you bring to the table? And everybody has to show what they bring to the table. And because I have folks that listen to me politically, I want to put this gem in it and spin it around the same thing when we talk about with voting. What do you bring to the table? The candidate has to bring something to the table. They have to deliver. And if it's not being delivered, then you can't get mad because nobody want to buy your record. That's the bottom line. You can put as much in it as you want to and say, oh, it's the best record, the best whatever you've ever heard. But at the end of the day, people have to want to buy it. They have to want to stream it. And in music, they have to want to hear it over and over and over. And what has happened in politics is we've heard that same broken record over and over. Boy, I'm really a metaphor genius, ain't it? Just tell the truth. I've been breaking. I got some good damn analogies. Yeah, you killing me. <laughs> You know a spot. 
but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots? Being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. Seeing our communities grow and thrive is something we care deeply about here at Black Tech Green Money. State Farm Insurance also cares about the growth of black communities. They're actively investing in programs and initiatives that help provide financial literacy, give early career advice, and grow black-owned businesses, thus leading to generational wealth, which helps protect the future of our communities. We want to build a future that we all can be proud of. State Farm understands that representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. It also requires active sponsorship of programs like the AXO, a year-long program that recognizes and rewards high school students for their academic and cultural achievements, along with funding programs like Project Ready, a national urban league program committed to educational achievement of black and brown youth that has awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to date. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and can have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. People are tired of hearing that same record over and over and over. And one thing I love about music is it probably is the one thing that, you know, I can hear a song and listen to it over and over and it gave me the same feeling it gave me the first moment. You know, that I heard it when you and I connected. And I was like, oh, you worked with men in large. I remember being young and having a crush on somebody in middle school on a men in large uh, record. You know, that that's what it brought to me. I remember driving. We would drive and hang out at the park and you didn't work on that particular record. But there was something that went along, you know, with that group. And so those types of connections is what music does. And it's actually when I train politicians, people don't know this, uh, but candidates are trained to kind of make that connection. So it's very similar. And that's why I wanted to draw those parallels so people can see when politicians are out and talking to you and they're doing the me, you, us, which is the format of a speech. They're making connections just like in in um in music, in a record, they're making you remember something. They're making you remember, oh, grandma that passed that didn't have health care or my cousin that went to jail that didn't. Music does the same thing. But the best part about it is, James, that I love doing is showing all of the pieces that go into making the record that we call politics. It's not just the artist, meaning it's not just the politician. It's the people behind the scenes, the communicators, the uh, crisis managers, the political directors, all of those things. And when people tell me, oh, why don't you run for office? You make a great candidate. I'm a better producer. I love putting together what it looks like. It's not that I can't be a politician, but I love, like you said, when you looked at the back of the record and wanted to figure out who did what when it comes to this space. I like figuring out who did what. And I know where the power is and the power is in the ownership of those that put that politician together 
just like in um, the record business. Who's owning what? Who does what in this production? And it's not always the artist that gets the most money. They may get the most fanfare, but they're not the ones that have the most power or control. And that's the same thing in politics. It's not the politician that has the power and control. It's the people. And the people are on the back of the record. Ooh, go ahead, girl. I'm t- I am I'm am a beast right. when it comes to this communication. I, I, I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. <laughs> but no, I did I you know, want to make that connection because those are the type of metaphors and analogies that I try to connect every guest that I sit down with. They can come talk to me about something that has nothing to do with politics. And I love being able to show that what you have to do actually has to do with politics and how we connect it, you know, randomly or, you know, reaching out on social media. People wouldn't know why you're sitting here because I don't, you know, even though I quote unquote, I'm a spoken word artist. I can sing, I can rap. That's not my primary thing. My primary thing is connections and really knowing where people are um, and, and what is it they're trying to bring to the world. So you have done that as a producer and know that's an important role and there's production that we need when it comes to our people's business. So I encourage you to keep talking about ownership because ownership across the board uh, you know, applies. We have to own more. In fact, you can go pick an argument with Glasses Malone. I was listening to his live yesterday and he was talking about ownership and he said some things I disagree with. Um, but I think there's some good conversation that needs to be had about that um, on what ownership means, what it looks like and being away, being able to have the discipline to walk away from things instead of just thinking. I was just talking to my producer, Marcy. Right before this started on a contract opportunity that I had on cable news and I walked away from it. I didn't accept it because it wasn't for me. I didn't know that there would be another opportunity down the road. This other, the BNC who I'm with, they literally just popped out of nowhere. So there, there are not a lot of options in the cable news space. There's only three. So most people say, well, there's only three. Like imagine if there's only three record deal, you know, record labels. Most people, if they get an offer, they're going to go with one of those. But for me, it really was about aligning my brand, like you mentioned, with the right organization, even if that organization doesn't exist. And I think in the end, yeah, yeah I, I think in the end, it's that type of consistency and character that will carry you through COVID or any other situation because your brand and your character has everything to do, you know, with how people deal with you and how you survive. So if you want to give some closing thoughts, um, I want to thank you for allowing this is your interview, but I obviously went on a little soapbox, but I, I, I did want it. people to, I, I you know, it. kind of make that connection. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with the last word. You know, I, I just want people to leave with, you know, continue to do what you want to do in life. You know, it's not up to anyone else, uh, anyone else's, uh, trajectory of what you should be doing or opinions, et cetera. Uh, you know, I lead by example with my heart, my soul, and what I want to portray within my art. You know what I mean? And that could be in different aspects, but as long as it feels good to me and it's authentic to me, that's all that matters. And also too, you know, for new listeners and, and new potential fans, uh, next year will be my debut album year. Okay. So I'm really, really excited about that. Just in the sense of um, it's, it's a story that, you know, I've been wanting to tell for a while uh, within this entire body of work, just in different aspects. Um, it's a concept project but it's really, really detailing different things uh, personally about me. And I'm just excited to share that. So stay on the, you're on the lookout okay, for that. Okay, well, this is your promote. You're starting early, planting seeds early then. That's that's why you're here, planting seeds early, which is always good. You're doing your own media rounds, 
in addition to whatever, you know, the label's doing, but really taking it upon yourself. And so I want to leave you with that. In fact, I literally just said the same thing, too. It's great to be with uh, iHeart and, and Black Effect and Charlemagne to be a great friend of mine, great personal friend of mine. I still have to take ownership in my own, you know, making sure that people know me and my brand and what I'm offering. And I have some plans, too, next year in 2022. So. Yes, so we're going to keep grinding. We're going to keep getting it like only a hustler and a grinder knows how to do. Thank you so much. You know no that. other way, baby. Thanks so much for joining us. James Worthy, please look him up. Where can they find you? Yes, uh, all social media at King James Worthy. Uh, you can also go to my website, jamesworthymusic.com and uh, youtube.com backslash jamesworthymusic too. And um, yeah, just uh, stay tuned to the journey. All right. Well, stay tuned to the journey. We will stay in. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening to another episode of Straight Shot No Chaser with Tesla Figaro, Mr. James Worthy. Peace. If you like what you heard on Straight Shot No Chaser, please subscribe and drop a five-star review and tell a friend. Straight Shot No Chaser is a production of the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. I'm Tesla Figaro, and I'd like to thank our producer, editor, mixer, the one and only Marcy DePina, our mix master. Dwayne Crawford and our executive producer Charlemagne the God. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more more info now.